Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And when you get there, if you can, stand for the reading of the word. Genesis 3 and 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed big leaves together and made themselves aprons. You can be seated. Everything was perfect. They had their innocence. They didn't know sin. But then here comes the devil with temptation. He's telling you how good it's going to be and that it won't hurt you to try just once. He's going to tell you that nobody's going to know. Just one bite. Surely you won't die. And they didn't physically die at that moment, which it did bring death later. But spiritually, they died that day. They, that first, that first bite that she thought wouldn't hurt at all, changed the whole world forever. And sometimes our first will change our whole world. Their disobedience to God changed the world and mankind ever since. You say, well, God, did God allow it? No, God didn't allow it. He told them. He told them not to eat from that tree. So he didn't allow sin to come into the world. They made their own choice. And then you could say, well, then why did God tempt them? God did not tempt them. Satan did. It said so. The devil came along. Turn over to James 1. James chapter 1, verse 13. You know, we're quick to blame God for a lot of stuff that God doesn't do. We need to remember he can't do anything bad. If it's not good, then it doesn't come of God. Turn over to James chapter 1, verse 13. James 1, verse 13 through 15. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 
So don't ever say that God tempts you because he doesn't. It just said right there in the word that God doesn't tempt people. And if you're a Christian, then you have to believe that God's word is true. So we may let pride or envy or our ego, our desires, our wants, you know, the lust that we have, they may pop up in us so that Satan can tempt us. But even with the temptation, it's not sin. It said, all men will be tempted. So don't ever think that you're above temptation. Because we will be tempted. The devil's going to tempt you with everything he can to try to get you to move away from God. It's when we act on that temptation. That's when it becomes sin. And that sin is going to cause a spiritual death and even sometimes a physical death. You know, if you drink or do drugs and drive, you may kill somebody or kill yourself. And if you kill somebody, the consequences of that are going to make a difference in your life. Because if you're convicted, if you're drinking, you're going to go to jail. And that's going to destroy your family. You're going to lose your job. Everything. So there's consequences for things that we do. Everybody will be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted by Satan. And we will be tempted. But Jesus set the example for us to follow. You know, and I say this all the time. It is written. The word was his defense. When Satan came against him, every response was, it is written. So we've got to stay in the word, you know. Even more time than we spend with our friends, we need to be in the word. Um, how many of us have heard you're identified by the company that you keep? Your friends make a difference in how you act? We'll turn over to 1 Corinthians. See, Mama didn't just tell you that because she wanted to be telling you that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Sometimes Mama's smarter than you think. She may have been in the Word reading and also on her knees praying for you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says, Be not deceived. Wonder, wonder how many times be not deceived has been used in the Bible. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm going to read it again. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Simple verse with a whole lot of meaning. At first when we think about it, we think they're talking about how we speak and what we say. And that is part of it. But if you study a little deeper, it goes on down. Well, to communicate. The definition of communicate is to make known, to cause others to participate or share something. So it's not just what we say, but it's about the influence we have on others and what others have on us. How many times has someone said to us, Oh, come on, don't be a sissy. Or maybe say, so-and-so did it. So you may as well go ahead and do it too. 
didn't hurt them. It's not going to hurt you. What about, go ahead. No one's going to find out. And we, we just fall right into that one. How many times as a kid did I do something that I knew I wasn't supposed to do thinking my mama wasn't going to find out and by the time I got home, she already knew. And I'm telling you, back then, we didn't get whippings. We got whoopings. I hated to see her coming with the switch. Boy, I mean, it hurt on those naked legs. But people will tell you, come on, it's not going to matter. One time won't make a difference. Tell that to Adam and Eve. If one time brought sin into the world. Or tell that to David when he lusted after Bathsheba and it cost him his firstborn son. Or Jonah when he first wanted to be disobedient to God and he spent three days in the belly of a fish. You know... Tell that to the drug addict or the alcoholic that was only going to do it once and was hooked for life. Stay away from it. Be like Jesus. Go to the Word for strength and protection. We get protection from the Word. You know, when they tell you once won't matter or everybody's doing it, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. We don't have to be like everybody else. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be separated. You know, these people that are telling you that, they're not your friends. If you're living for God, you've got nothing in common with them, even if sometimes they're family. You may share the same DNA, but you're a whole lot different in living your lifestyle than they are. Be ye separate. Sometimes that's not easy, especially when you first get saved and your friends are all wanting you to go and do with them. And you have to put your foot down and say, I'm not living that way anymore. That goes back to knowing the Word. Know the Word so that you can get in there and study and have strength. And when they're trying to get you to do something that you shouldn't, quote Scripture back to them. Just like, like it said a while ago, be ye separate. Tell them, I'm, I'm a Christian now, and I'm supposed to be different than the world. Amen. You know, and, and you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, Paul said, For God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do we act like we've got a sound mind sometimes? Or do we act like we don't have a mind at all? And for that matter, God gave us a free will. So why do we let somebody else talk us into doing something with our free will that we may not even really want to do? Called peer pressure. You want to fit in. Well, if you're a Christian, you're not going to fit into the world. You're just not. Why do we worry or fear what the world's going to think about us? Who are we supposed to be pleasing? Man or God? And it's God. If we're Christians, we're supposed to be trying to please God. So if we don't want to join in their partying and their drinking and their sexual immorality, then who cares if they make fun of us? 
who cares if they like us? I want everybody to like me. And when I was a kid, I tried my best to get everybody to like me. You'll drive yourself crazy doing that. After I got saved, I realized not everybody's going to like me. But as long as I'm pleasing to God, he's the one that matters. He's the one that counts. He's the one I want to please, and he's the one that I want to say well done. So they didn't like Jesus. You know, if, if you've read your Bible, they didn't like him. And my Bible tells me that they made fun of him and rebuked him and rejected him and did a whole lot worse than that, anything they'll do to me here on this earth. So who are we to listen to the so-called friend that says, come on just once? No one will know. Well, the Bible tells us that there is an all-knowing God that we are supposed to serve. So even if no one on the earth knew, if you got by with it with mankind, God is still going to know. And you're not going to get by with it with him. You know, if he says to do these things, then we need to do them. But if he says don't do them, we better not be doing them. And if we do them, we better be repenting if we want to make it to heaven. Because if we don't, our little willfulness or our disobedience is going to send us to a burning hell. And yes, God loves us. He loves everybody. And he wants them all to come back to him and be reunited with him. That's why he sent his son to die for us. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But he sent Jesus to make a way so that we could be reunited with the Father. He paid a price too. He gave up his son so that we could be with him. Because he does know what we do. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, this verse, I think, is a reason why people say God won't put any more on you than you can stand. That's not what it said. It didn't say anything about putting burdens on you. But it did say that no matter what our temptation is, somebody else has gone through it too. So it doesn't matter what you're going through, somewhere in the world, somebody else has gone through it too. We're not alone. Even if we were on a desert island all by ourselves, if you're a Christian, you are not alone. It said, but God is faithful. He loves us. He does not want us to go astray. He wants us to be in that 99 and not the one that is lost. He wants us in that fold. So with every temptation that the devil's going to throw at us, God's going to have that righteous 
choice that we can make. And we can do that instead of choosing the wrong way. You know, he gave us free will. The decision is ours. But he hopes that we're rooted enough in the word that we know right from wrong. And we do. If you're an adult, even a child, up to a certain age, they know right from wrong. Isaac knows right from wrong. He wants us to stay on the right path. And that goes back to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. He set the example for us. And I know y'all get tired of hearing me say this, but it's worth repeating and repeating and repeating again. It is written. Jesus used the word of God to battle Satan. And if we want to battle him, we're going to have to use the word of God. He used it to overcome the temptation that Satan put out there for him. And we can use it too to overcome temptation. With the help of Jesus Christ, we can use it to get through anything. So we all know that somehow, someday, somewhere, we're going to all be tempted. Because the Bible said all men, everybody, man, woman, and child will be tempted to do the wrong thing. But it's up to us as Christians to be close enough to God to seek him out to do the right thing. So, you know, we've been pre-warned that we're going to be tempted. But are we going to be prepared? When that temptation comes, are we going to be watchful? Or are we going to be deceived? You know, um, I don't know. If you're going to have any protection whatsoever when Satan comes up against you, you're going to have to know the word. You're going to have to be in the word. And you're going to have to watch. We have to keep our guard up. Like I said, how many times in the Bible has it said, be ye not deceived, or even be watchful? So Jesus, he even told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How often do we pray that prayer? Lord, keep me from temptation. Don't let me fall. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God is on our side. When it comes to his people, when people come at us and they say just once it won't matter, no one else will know, God's already made a way for us to get out of it. He's already made a way for us to refuse that temptation if we'll just choose it. See, it's there. We just have to choose it. It goes back to free will. We have free will. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to choose the right path? Or are we going to choose what the devil is tempting us with that can change our life sometimes forever? 
And the only way to choose the right path is to stay in the Word and have faith in God that He's going to make a way. It just said that He will make a way for us to escape a temptation. And remember, and sometimes, and, and I say this, sometimes I think we forget that when Jesus was on earth, He was human. And He was tempted, but He overcame it by the Word. He was mistreated. He was made fun of. And eventually, we all know he was killed. But we all know that even our closest friends can betray us. Turn over to John 13. John 13, verse 2. John 13, verse 2. It says, And supper being ended, the devil having not... Having now put in the heart of Judas, Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, yes, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew. He even knew who was going to do it. But remember, he's also human. And I'm sure that it hurt him to know that Judas was going to betray him. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you knew just really you couldn't trust? And yet you did anyway? And then when they messed up and betrayed you, even though you knew it probably was going to happen, it still hurt because you had hope that this time would be different? Well, I'm sure it hurt his heart to know that his friend would betray him. I mean... He had traveled with Jesus. He was sitting there at the Lord's Supper. And then I'm sure it hurt him to know the pain that Judas was going to go through afterward for betraying him. You know, once he did it, he was sorry for it. He even took the money back, tried to give it back, and they wouldn't take it. And he ended up and committed suicide. I'm sure that hurt Jesus because he loves everybody. He even loved us before we loved him. The Bible says so. He loved us when we were out there making fun of him and choosing to follow Satan and do the things that we wanted. He still loved us. And so I'm sure knowing that Judas was going to betray him, he loved Judas. And I'm sure it hurt him. You know, so if we have a friend or a loved one or a family member betray us or lie on us, especially if it's because we're a Christian, have you ever had anybody get an attitude with you because you're a Christian? You know, well, goody two-shoes. Well, you're just one of those holy rollers. Well, you're a Christian. You just think you're better than everybody else. No, I don't think I'm better than everybody else. I just think I want to live for God and do the right thing and make it to heaven. I don't want to party anymore. I don't want to get out there and do the things that I did before. But we can turn to God, and he will give us comfort. And he'll help us in our daily life and give us strength to move past anything that our friends or family may do to us, any situation that comes up against us, he'll help us through it. And otherwise, 
we want to hold a grudge and let resentment eat away at us until we've lost our joy and maybe our salvation if we keep hanging on to it. A grudge doesn't hurt anybody more than the person that's holding the grudge. And I'm telling you, resentment, you start feeling resentment towards somebody, you need to go to them and talk to them. And you need to be on your knees praying for them and you. Because resentment will eat away at you and fester and fester until you are so miserable within yourself and the other person may not even know you're going through it. They may be going on about their life. But you have let resentment harbor in you until you are so miserable that you are so grumpy and so hateful with everybody else. Nobody can stand to be around you. I mean, it'll do it. That's why. Well, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, we can harbor resentment or hold a grudge until it leaves us open for Satan to come in and we can fall from grace. First Peter chapter five, I'm gonna start in verse six. First Peter chapter five, verse six says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Humble ourselves. We're nothing without God. We may walk through life, and we may work at a job, and we may just look like we're something but without God we're not anything you know he's going to exalt us in due time so every worry every heartache even every temptation we can give it to God and let him take care of it and you know what he can do it so much better than anybody else I don't know about y'all, but I've tried to handle some of that stuff on my own. Oh, it didn't work out too good. But when I gave it to God, the weight that was lifted off my shoulders, just knowing that I had given it to somebody that could take care of it because I'd already tried everything and knew I couldn't. Just the weight of knowing I didn't have to worry about it anymore lifts a weight and then knowing how many times do we hear God loves you he's our heavenly father so when I go to him and I give him a worry or a concern I know he loves me and he's going to take care of it it may not be the way I think it should be and it's probably not ever going to be the way I think it should be he does things in his own way but I know in my heart and in my mind that no matter what it is and no matter how he handles it, he's doing it for my good. And it will work out 
for my benefit to bring him glory. See, sometimes we want to do stuff just to get out of trouble or to get it off of us. But everything we do is supposed to bring him glory. So when we give it to him and let him handle it, then he can fix it so that it brings him glory. And why does he take care of it? Because he cares about us. He loves us. He said, be sober. It's not talking about not being drinking. It's talking about be serious. Your salvation is a serious matter. It's not to be dealt with lightly. It's not to be halfway done. Be serious about your salvation. I'm telling you, if you won't be serious about something, it better be your salvation because it's going to decide where you're going to spend eternity. You better be serious. Said, so be vigilant. Keep and I had Larry look the definition up for that on his, on with his other woman Siri. Sometimes he talks to her more than he talks to me. But it said, be keep careful watch for danger or enemies. We need to keep our guard up. And that goes back to, and I've done a message on this, and read it in Galatians. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave home half-dressed. Would you go to work without your pants? Why no? So why don't we leave the house without the whole armor of God being on? You're going to need it, believe me. You're going to need it more than you're going to need your pants. But don't, don't leave home without them. <laughs> you might get in trouble. But I'm telling you, we need the whole armor of God on at all times. Because Satan's going to come against you. You're at war. You may not know it, but you are at war constantly. And the only protection you have is it is written, the Word of God. That's your protection. because, And the Bible tells us we're not battling flesh and blood. We're battling principalities. We're battling evil spirits. And Satan will come at you with everything he's got. You better be prepared. Because if you're not, you don't stand a chance. You better know the word. It is written. If that's what Jesus used to rebuke Satan and overcome him and win the battle, then who are we to think that we should use anything else? Know the word. Why? Because the devil wants your soul. And he's always looking for a way to tempt you to try to find your weakness, and whether you want to admit it or not, we all have weaknesses. We all have strengths, and we all have weaknesses. And Satan will look for your weakness. He doesn't want your strength. He wants your weakness. And if you're not watching, if you're not prepared, if you don't have on that whole armor, he's going to find it. And he's going to work at it. And he's going to work at it. And he's going to dig. And he's going to poke. And he's going to prod. Have you ever tried to break something? Ice. 
let's use ice for an example. Big cluster of ice, and you're trying to break it, and you even have an ice pick. How many times have you had to hit that piece of ice before it finally breaks in two? Well, Satan is the same way. He will poke, and he will poke, and he will poke until finally he will break you in two if you're not prepared and you're not watching and you don't know the word. And I know I harp on that, but y'all just don't know how important it is that you know the word of God. There is so much in it for us. Like I said, the devil, he's always on the prowl seeking whom he can devour. And if you're not watchful, if you're not prepared, if you're not ready, now there's a story in the Bible that talks about if the master of the house knew when the thief was coming, well, he would have sat and waited on him. But we don't know when the devil's going to attack us. We don't know how he's going to attack us. So we have to stay prepared all the time. We have to keep our faith and know that we're not the only ones that's going to be tempted. The devil is going to come against everybody. He attacks us, all of us. See, Satan doesn't care who you are. He just cares what you are. If you're not living for God, he doesn't care. You go on and do whatever you want. He, he's not going to bother you. But if you're a Christian, he knows who you are. He knows you are a child of God. He knows who you serve, and it's not him. So he's going to come against you. If you're a Christian, you can bet Satan is going to come against you because he wants your soul. And we have to be prepared, and we have to watch for him. And just once, do it just once. It's not going to matter. It's not going to hurt anybody. Nobody's going to know. That just once can cost you your salvation. That just once can cost you your soul. That just once could cost you your life. But that just once can change your life forever. And we need to remember, I want the good just once. No, I want all the good to be more than just once. I want all the blessings I can get. But I want to be ready that when someone comes to me, and offers me something or tries to bribe me or tries to talk me into something that I know enough about God that I can say it is written. And I hope that you will get in the Word and study the Word that when the devil comes up against you and tells you all his lies that you can look at him and say, Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Because it is written in my Bible. And we can go and quote scripture. And then we can say, flee from me. Because we have the power. And we should have the knowledge to tell the devil that the battle's already been won. So why should he come and bother us? 
when we know the battle's already been won. And we can rebuke him. Do y'all know how many times that I'm in my car or that I'm sitting at my desk or I'm at the house or I'm doing something and maybe a negative thought will come through my head and I had to, or, and I'm going to even go further than that, and I've said this before, or I'm sitting on the pew and the preacher is preaching and I'm trying to think of laundry I've got to do at home or i got to unload the dishwasher or i got to do something else. Satan will get in there and steal your opportunity to hear the word. He doesn't want you to hear the word. And I have to literally, sometimes I say it out loud, Satan I am a child of God. I have a heavenly father that loves me. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you from my thoughts. And I'm standing on the word and I know you have to flee. And guess what? My mind's back on what the preacher is saying. And does he do it maybe more than once in a service? Sometimes. He used to do it all the time when my kids were little. But see, I've gotten stronger in that. So he doesn't bother me as much. Now he bothers me with something else. But it's like Karen says, he's just like a little pimple. And we have a heavenly father that owns everything, knows everything, and can do everything. And that's who we need to be calling on.